You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. I don't know if you remember, last week we had a big storm. We had a big storm, chapter 4, Mark. Uh, Mark chapter 4, we have this big storm, and the disciples are going across the lake, and Jesus is in the boat, and they're terrified. These are sailors, these are fishermen, people experienced with storms on a lake, and they're terrified. They know they're going to die. And they reach out, to, they look to Jesus, and he's asleep on a pillow at the back of the boat, and they shake him, and they're like, don't you care, we're going to die. And he wakes up, and he speaks, and the storm is calmed. I love that story. But I love that story because it leads to this chapter. If you remember Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the reason they were in that storm is because Jesus said that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This was Jesus' plan, and he has a reason, and we're about to see in chapter 5 that reason. Chapter 5 is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. I love this chapter. This, I've been excited for several weeks. Like You can ask the worship team. I've been like, they're like, what's wrong with him? Because I'm like, woo, I'm so excited for this morning. Because this chapter blows my mind. I love this chapter. I remember sharing this chapter. I was in a, in a, on the shores of a lake. It was nighttime in the Czech Republic. We'd been ministering to this gypsy group uh, for about a week. And it was a bunch, mostly what we were doing was working with kids. We did some ministry to adults, but it was mostly with kids. And the same group of boys had followed us everywhere. They were the gypsy boys. Uh, they were in and out of school. They were in and out of homes. Their home life was horrible. And these gypsy boys were excited because we said, we're going to take you to the lake. And so we loaded up a van, and they were just excited to leave, to leave the pressures of, the, of their life, to leave the pressures of the poverty that they lived in, and to get to go to the lake. It was this lake that, uh, it wasn't very far, but for a gypsy boy with no transportation, many of them have never been to it. And so we go, and we're on the shores, and they just had the best time. And it was cold, it, it was uh, maybe like March, and it was cold, and, but the boys kept daring each other to go into the lake, and the lake was freezing, and, and I don't know, if, if you've been a boy, you know what it's like, if you get dared you got to accept the dare, right? And so they would each challenge each other, but especially in this culture, you had to accept the dare. Because this culture, you couldn't show you were weak. You couldn't show any fear or they would pounce on you. It was the toughest group of boys I've ever been around. And so they would dare each other, and so then they had to go in. Even these little kids, some of the kids were seven, and then there were some teenagers, 17, and they were daring each other. And I remember this one boy, he was the toughest one. He was super strong. He could have snapped me in a second. Um, and he goes, and he, someone, one of the little boys dared him. He could have told this little boy, he's like, forget it, punk, but you can't withstand a dare. So he strips down to his underwear, and he goes out in this freezing lake. And they just had the best time. And finally, we light a fire. And we get them calm, and, and we're eating some snacks around this fire, and it was an opportunity for a teaching moment, and I said, what? What are you guys afraid of? I said, I know what I was afraid of growing up, but what are you guys afraid of in your life? What are you most scared of? There was just silence. And I learned long ago that I can wait out other people longer than they can wait out me, so I just sat there and waited and waited we listened to the fire creak, and then finally, one little boy, the seven-year-old, said, I'm afraid of the dark. 
And I was expecting the kids to make fun of him, but I look around and several of the others nod in agreement. And then one little boy, a little bit older, said, I'm afraid of monsters. <laughs> and at that, one of the teenage boys punched him. <laughs> and everyone giggled a little bit. And then the big kid, the tough kid, the muscular one that was the kind of leader of the pack, spoke up and everyone was silent. And he said, I'm afraid to be alone. So they went on and shared more fears. And as we went, went over that, and I said, well, let me tell you a story. And I shared this story of Mark chapter 5, of a man that was alone in the dark, a man that many considered a monster, a man that Jesus was willing to go through a storm to get to. So if you have your Bibles, open it to Mark chapter 5, and we're going to dive into this amazing story. It begins, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. This is a, a Gentile region. This is no longer the Jewish territory. This is an area Jesus has not been yet. That's important to note. This is an area Jesus has never been. The, the, they have not met him. They have not heard his amazing miracles. They have not heard his teaching. This is a, a Gentile region. It's an unclean region. It's an area that the good Jews don't go to. But for some reason, Jesus was, was bent to go. And so he gets in the lake and they head to the region of the garrison. It says, when they got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. To fully get this story, you got to kind of picture it, right? The, yesterday, they spent all day teaching and healing and doing these great things. It's been a long, exhausting day. At the end of the day, the sun's about to go down. Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. So the disciples get in the lake. They think that they can get across pretty quick and they go rest on the other side. But in the midst of that, a storm comes. And the storm is raging, and they thought that they were going to die, and they've been at the verge of death, and Jesus comes, and he calms everything, and they are in awe, they're shocked. What is this? Who is this, they even said, that we are with, that this is God, that he has power over the waves and the wind. And so it's been night, and they got off track on their, on their journey, and they don't know where they're at. They're completely lost. The storm's been raging, and it's gotten later and later. And so now they arrive in this area they've never been before. A, and in Matthew, it says it was about between 3 and 6 a.m. The fog is rolling off the lake onto the shore. And they get to this side, a place that they've never been they're already terrified. They're already emotionally drained. They're already scared of, of what they just saw God be able to do. And now it's in the middle of the night. It's the darkest part of the night. The fog is rolling through. And they arrive. And a man with impure spirits come running at him. I don't know about you, but at this point, I'd be like, get back in the boat, Jesus. Get back in the boat. We're in the wrong spot. Get back in the boat. But that's not what Jesus does. We dive in. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. He had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons in his feet, on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man is possessed with demons. He has impure spirits in him. And what has society done? They've sent him to a graveyard. They've sent him to the graveyard and they've chained him up and thinking, we'll just leave him there. We'll throw him food every once in a while. But he's able to break those chains. So when people come to bring him food, he runs at them and they turn around and leave. This man's been left alone. He is naked. He has been beating himself. He has 
cut himself. He is covered in dirt. He's filthy. His hair's mangled with blood. And you've got a picture. He's got these crazy, wiry eyes darting back and forth from Jesus to the disciple, to the disciple, to you, to each one of us. And he's darting. And he's coming and he's screeching and he comes running at him. Get back in the boat, Jesus. Get back in the boat. But Jesus doesn't. In the Old Testament, we see very few references of demons, but if you've been following along in the New Testament, in Mark, we've already seen multiple ones. And I truly believe this because the Son of God is on earth. And so Satan released the gates of hell to fight him. So there are demons all over, and there are demons trapped in this man. So much so that the crowd, the, everyone that knows him, has tried to chain him and left him to die. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees. When I was sharing this story with uh, Taiwanese, I was teaching uh, through this book, and we got to this chapter, and, and we'd been in this classroom, and, and it's a, a, like I said, it's my favorite chapter, so I knew what was coming, and I wanted them to fully experience it. I said, so picture, it's nighttime, blah, 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 and, and I felt like they weren't fully engaged, so I said, I got an idea. So I take all these Taiwanese men and women, and we go to the men's bathroom, because it was the only place that I could find that didn't have a window, and we go in there, and I turn off the lights. And I get to this section, and I said, when he saw Jesus from the distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. It was awesome. They were terrified. And, and so they're like, ah! And one of the girls jumped, and it was great. And, but can you imagine that? It's middle of the night. It's scary, and this happens. And this, guy, this mangled, bloody, filthy, skinny guy comes running at you, screaming, what do you want with me? Let's get back in the boat, Jesus. Get back in the boat. But Jesus steps forward and addresses him. Since for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, for, he replied, for we are many. His name Legion comes from a legion of soldiers. Uh, a Roman legion of soldiers was four to 6,000 soldiers. That gives you an idea of how many demons are in him. We don't know the exact number. We don't know uh, if it's 4,000, 6,000, if it's two. But we know that there's many, for we are many. We know that it feels like there are thousands inside him. That it is a legion inside him. That's the name that they've taken. Perhaps that's the name they've taken because this is a, a, a Gentile area. This is a Roman area, and they've had legions of soldiers come through. And there's stories and there's accounts of what the legions of soldiers would do to the common people as they would come through. They would take their food, they would take their drink, they would take their advantages of their women, they would beat their children, they would kill a man if they got in the way, all under the protection of the Roman government. So a legion of soldiers was not something you wanted to see. A legion was a terrifying, horrible thing to have. And so here you have this man who calls himself Legion, for there are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding in a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd 
about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. This man's been plagued with demons for so long. And what was society's answer? Let's just chain him in the, in the graveyard. Let's chain him among the tombs of the dead people and we'll leave him to die. So often when we have problems, we, we try to address the, the, the results of the problem instead of the source of the problem. Or we just try to mask it. They just put him in chains. We'll just get rid of him. We can ignore it. <laughs> we got problems in our marriage. Let's go find a different hobby. We'll stop talking and start drifting apart. We got problems in, in addiction. We'll just try to cover it up and tell people that it's not really a problem. I, I, got, I got this under control. We got issues in relationships and we just kind of try to cover it up. Or, or perhaps there's an issue in our life and we just go buy something new to That'll bring us joy. But not Jesus. Society's been trying to cover up this man's problem, just to cover it up and fix it, but Jesus gets to the root of it, as he does in our life. As if we're struggling with something, we're not going to be able to, to fix it on our own. We've got to come to Jesus and ask for his guidance, ask for his strength, ask for his love to get through this. And that's what Jesus does for this man is Jesus sends out the spirits. And I don't know if you caught that. The demons ask for permission to go to the pigs. This is the power of our Messiah. He has power over everything. We've seen he has power over the physical up to this point in Mark. We saw that he has power over nature, last chapter with the storm. We see his power over the spiritual, that they have to get permission from Jesus on what to do. And he allows them to go into the pigs. And the pigs go and drown themselves. Imagine you're a young pig herder. It'll be easy. Just watch the pigs at night, they said. This isn't hard. You'll never do anything. They're asleep, maybe playing cards. Watching these pigs. The pigs don't do much at night. They're docile. Then all of a sudden you hear the crazy man in the, in the graveyard screaming. Nothing new. You've heard that before. But now he's talking to someone. Or someone's talking to him as he's screaming. And you look over and you see this boat full of men in the graveyard talking to the crazy man. Well, they got a little more interesting. This will make the night go better. So you go over and you watch. You see what's going and then all of a sudden, you see one of the men point to your pigs. And then, <laughs> the pigs start going crazy. They start running back and forth. And you're like, what? What? What happened to my pigs? And they start hitting each other, squealing, wee, wee. And then, you see one pig go off a cliff. Another pig go off a cliff. You're like, this isn't good. Pig after pig after pig after pig. 2,000 pigs go off the cliff. When you get to the edge of the cliff, you look down. There's a pile of 2,000 dead pigs. It'll be easy, they said. It's not hard to watch pigs. And so what do you do? I guess I got to go tell my boss. So you head into town. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. They come to see what happened to their pigs. And they see the crazy man. 
And then they see him not only calm, and the same word here when it says he's calm was the same word calm for the, the storm, but he's dressed. I love that part, and I think that's integral that Mark included that because Peter made a point that this was important. Because we see throughout whenever Jesus does a miracle, when he does something, everyone's in awe. People are shocked, right? When he raises the little girl from the dead, the parents are just in awe, and he says, hey, give her something to eat. Jesus isn't in awe. He knows his, his abilities. And so he sees the common things of what, the, what needs to be done. When he raises Lazarus from the dead, everyone is shocked. Everyone is frozen. And he says, hey, someone go take off the wrappings around Lazarus. And so when this demon-possessed man, this man that has these demon eyes and, and is going crazy and screeching, it comes running at him and he casts out the demons, I would think all the disciples are in awe. They're frozen. They're shocked. And maybe I'm reading into it, but I would think the Jesus that I know saw a naked man. And he took off his outer garment. And he put it on the man. I got a picture he just held. And the naked man, the man that everyone had left to die, the man that had been outcast, I would think just cried. Cried in the shoulders of Jesus. Cried because for the first time he was set free. For the first time he was free from the torment, from the pains that he'd been struggling. For, for the first time he had, someone had loved him. Someone cared about him. For how long he doesn't remember. For the first time someone was able to hold him. And a big he just cried in Jesus' arms. And then by the time the crowd comes, there's Jesus. And this guy in Jesus' coat sitting down. Calm. And then it says, Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They cared more about their pigs than this man. They cared more about the livelihood than the life of a person. They cared more about the things of this world than they did about the salvation of somebody else. And I think about that in our life. How often do we get caught up in the things going on in our, in our life and we miss out on the opportunity to share about Jesus with anyone around us? That we get caught up in, in the task at work or, or the assignments at school that we miss the opportunity that Jesus has put someone in the cubicle right next to you or the desk right next to you at school and he, Jesus put them there for you to witness and we miss our opportunity because we're more caught up in our livelihood than the spiritual life of somebody else. So they asked Jesus to leave. As Jesus is getting into the boat the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the, in the Decapolis, that, that means the ten cities, in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. I love this story. 
Because the big picture is, look at this story. Look at what Jesus did for one man. Jesus is willing to go across the lake throughout the night for one man. Jesus was willing to face a storm, a great storm that the disciples thought they were going to die for this one man. Jesus was willing to face head-on 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 demons for this one man. That's how much he cares for one person. That's how much he cares for you and me. Because the big picture of this, fast forward to Jesus on the cross. And this demon-possessed man, look at the attributes that he's been dealing with. When he's dealing with the plagues and the the tortures of Satan, with the the pressures of what Satan has put on him, are much of what Jesus faced when the pressures of Satan came on Jesus. There Jesus hung on a cross, beaten and cut up and dirty and bloody. There Jesus stood on a cross, mostly naked because his clothes had been ripped There Jesus stood on the cross being tortured by the demons and all the powers of hell that Satan could send towards him. And he conquered death for you and me. He's willing to face all of that for the demon-possessed man. He's willing to face all of that for you and me on that cross. Because three days later, the gates of hell were closed And Jesus closed him. He conquered Satan. He conquered death and he gave us salvation. The very thing that this man now possesses, a relationship with Jesus, a hope for a future, salvation, eternity. This is what we have been given because Jesus would be willing to do all this for each one of us, for all this for mankind. He was willing to face all of that for you and me. I shared the story on the lake that night. When I got done, the, the big guy, the tough guy, was crying. When I explained to him that Jesus would do that for you, he would go across the lake in a storm for you, but more importantly, he died on the cross for you. He was crying, and the other gypsy boys were crying as well. That night, three gypsy boys gave their life to Jesus and we got to baptize them in the lake when they saw what Jesus would do for them. Those Taiwanese kids, we continued to teach and later in that semester, uh, the opportunity of that group that was in the bathroom to baptize two of them because they saw what Jesus would do for them. This morning, there's people here, I know, that haven't fully accepted what Jesus has done for them in their life, that haven't given their life over to him, that maybe haven't even been presented to see what Jesus would do for you. Not just that he'd go across the lake, not he'd go through a storm, not he'd face 2,000 demons, but he would face Satan himself, that he would die for you, and he would conquer this death. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you, to accept Jesus in your heart today. To come meet us in the prayer room, talk to us out in the lobby. To accept Jesus today. And let's, let's work through that. Let's get you baptized. Let's see what that looks like to now be 
free from the torment, free from the chains, free and know that someone loves you. That the pain and the pressures of this world are released and you are now wrapped in Jesus' coat of salvation and love and forgiveness. That is my prayer all this week. That someone that needed this message to see what Jesus would do for one man, <laughs> he did for all mankind. If you'll stand with me, let us sing about God's love, about Jesus' passionate love, about how much he cares for us, how much he loves us, this reckless love that he would do anything to pursue you, that he would go through a lake, through a storm to pursue you, that he would go on a cross and take on all that Satan has to offer, all that Satan can throw at him to pursue you, to love you. God, we just thank you for your love, for this amazing, incredible love. And God, as we, we sing this song, let us just proclaim this, those that have accepted this love, and those that are hearing it for the first time or accepting it for the first time, God, let them just be convicted to be able to step forward, to come to the prayer room, and to come and accept you as their Savior, to make the steps to get baptized, to be saved, to see what you would do for each one of us not just go on a boat in a storm, but die on the cross for each one here. Thank you for that. In your name, amen. Oh, this love that God pursued us, and there's a reason that this chapter is my favorite. And, and you might be like, why? I don't get it. But the point of chapter five that's my favorite is actually found in chapter six. And so, if you remember, at the end of five, Jesus tells uh, the man begs Jesus to be able to go, and the man and Jesus tells him, "No, go, go home, and share about what I've done." And so the man goes and he tells him the, the capitalist. Well, let's get to chapter six. The end of chapter six, verse fifty-three says, "When they had crossed over to the land of the garrison and anchored there, this is the first time Jesus has come back to this region. He's never been here except for the one time where, in the middle of the morning, where he saw a demon-possessed man, a once demon-possessed man, and they cross over. And it says, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region. He carried all the sick on the mats, and wherever they heard he was, and wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched were healed. This once demon-possessed man went and preached his testimony, and the entire region can recognize Jesus. He's never been back there, and everyone knows him and runs to him. And so, the point of that, I hope that you guys have been touched by Jesus. I hope your life has been changed. So, what are we doing with that? Are we going and telling others? Do they know? Does your coworker know about Jesus? This is our opportunity. This is our mission field. This is our decapolis that the, the man went to. Because Jesus said, go home and tell. Are you telling? I love that. The entire region has been saved and brought over to Jesus because of the testimony of this one man. I hope and pray others know what Jesus looks 
like because they recognized him by the testimony of you and me let that sink in this one man this once ruined tortured beaten cut up demon possessed man is now the first missionary to the gentile world he is now proclaiming and everybody knows jesus this is the power of who jesus is this is the rattle of who jesus is that echoes back and forth let us go and proclaim that